Trek to the Galaxy's most retro futurist podcast. That's right, it's Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8 of each series. That's Lightning Storm for Legion and Elysian Kingdom for Strange New Worlds. Lightning Storm originally aired on the 10th of February 2007. Elysian Kingdom on the 23rd of June 2022, a.k.a. yesterday. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, Lightning Lad has a big part in this story today. Were, were you happy about that? I know you like I know you like old Garth a lot. He's he, he's one of your faves, huh? huh? Yeah, it was, it was it was all right. I get to learn a little more about him, but then of course his brother returns. Oh, and you were you you were very pleased with that because you loved Mecht, uh in the uh, prior episode. You loved him. He was your favorite. I hate Mecht in the last episode that he was in the sports themed whatever that shit was, where he was like you know some sort of decathlon thing the space olympics i don't know what he was in he, he, anyway yeah. he, was a, he was a douche it was the one where the fatal five tried to assassinate the, the president of the united planets aka phantom girl's mom with mech's assistance at the space olympics at the space olympics that's right you know what the great thing about the future is matt you can put the adjective space in front of anything and it makes it sound cooler of course Kind of like space squids, Bob. Space squids, Matt. Yeah, we open up with the Legion actually kind of struggling against some space squids. It's not going well, and then uh, all of a sudden they get a little assist. And to uh, describe the little assist, Matt, do you want to read that A-plot for us? Sure, Bob. Lightning Lad is thinking the LSH is for kids. Do you know what the LSH is, Matt? That's the Legion of Superheroes, Bob. Uh, Oh, nothing gets past this guy. So he joins up with a hipper, more extreme, more capitalist LSV. And what does LSV stand for, Matt? Legion of Supervillains, Bob, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it stands for in the comics. Uh, in, in the show, though, it stands for Lightspeed Vanguard. That's right, Lightspeed Vanguard. Sounds like Bain Capital or some, like, hedge fund <laughs> company. <laughs> to quote uh, Senator Mitt Romney, hey, my friend, corporations are people, too. Yeah, I put all my, my money in LSV, Bob. That's where you should, too. <laughs> yeah so did you have any thoughts on the space squids man yeah let me talk about these space squids bob why are space beasts always analogs of like underwater beast i mean one could go so far as to say like all science fiction it's just uh, you know analogs of maritime fiction yeah if it's underwater there's like an evil version in space so yeah why and then on top of all this bob the legion really knows how to find these like creatures and how to kill them We've seen this before. They just hunt these things down. I don't feel like they're really doing anything. There's so much space. Why do they need to destroy them? A couple thoughts come to mind. I mean, one is, are you interpreting this in an animal rights perspective or I guess a kaiju rights perspective? And are you really angry at the Legion for this? Or are you interpreting it in a positive sense, like in a kind of like pest control sense, but instead of, you know, like a small flea, you're talking about a massive space squid. See, they're treating it like a pest control, but I'm seeing it more of an animal rights type thing. Oh, oh, Matt's getting woke over here. He said, I don't know what the color pill, the animal rights pill would be, but he's taking it. I think it's the third or fourth time we've seen the same exact setup of the Legion of Superheroes versus a, a space creature when there's so much damn space. Just push it away. <laughs> Put it somewhere else. Well, I, I, yeah, I think I mentioned this in an earlier episode. It's a nice little homage to the 60s Legion stories where they periodically do fight different kind of space kaiju. I mean, it's also, you know, monster comics were big in the 1950s. That's kind of what the Marvel Universe sort of evolved out of, too. So it's kind of a nice little homage to those 1950s and 1960s stories. 
I guess I will say, did the Legion actually kill the creatures? I, I didn't get the sense they were killing the creatures. They were just beating them up real bad. They're just beating the shit out of them, Bob. I mean, it's, I mean you're leaving them for dead if they're doing anything. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, a bunch, of, a bunch of bullies. They're just giving that space squid something to think about, Matt. Yeah. And during the space squid fight, we're I think we're reintroduced to Colossal Boy. I think he was in a previous episode. Uh, but remind oh, me what his powers he? are. He's... Um, I thought he was in like one of the screens when Timberwolf joined the Legion. That's correct. I knew I knew I'd okay. seen him and mentioned it before. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he, yeah, that's what I he's in the credits for like a, a a nanosecond maybe. But yeah, I don't think we've actually seen him have like a sustained appearance. Although this isn't a very sustained appearance. But okay, so you're you're not you're unclear on the Colossal Boy power set. Yeah, what the hell does he do, Bob? I mean, if you just had to go off the name, what would you guess? He's probably super strong. He is, but only because he grows to a large size. Oh, he gets bigger. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Giant Man before Giant Man was Giant Man. Not one of my favorite Legionnaires, but he has had a variety of weird and funny stories over the years. So I guess if Colossal Boy took on Colossus... I mean, you know, it would probably be challenging for both. You know, it probably sucks to have, like, Colossal Boy probably would view Colossus as the equivalent of a metal ball that's slamming into his, uh, you know, his knee. That probably wouldn't be comfortable. So what if Giant Man fought Colossal Boy, Bob? Uh, I mean, my sense is that uh, Hank Pym is a uh, bitch uh, who beats <laughs> on women, and so Colossal Boy would probably beat on Hank Pym. That's that's my sense of it, but, I mean, you know, others might disagree. So is Colossal Boy much more ethical than Hank Pym? I think so, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, there's, there is uh, one story where you think he's betrayed the Legion, but he, he actually hasn't. He's just trying to save his mom, if I, rem if I recall, right? He dates uh, Shrinking Violet for a long time. It's actually kind of pathetic. He, like, thirsts over Shrinking Violet for a long time. Then they finally hook up, and then you fi you figure out it's actually not Shrinking Violet. It's um, Chameleon Girl, who's, like, a spy. But Colossal Boy, uh, you know, kind of comes to accept it and then kind of, you know, realizes the uh, benefits of having a, a kinky, shape-shifting wife and just kind of goes for it. Um, so did you have any uh, thoughts on them trying to play up Bouncing Boy as, like, the Han Solo of the Legion with him flying around the cruiser? Yeah, he's more of like a Jack Porkins in my opinion. Ew. Yeah. I had to look his name up, Bob. I had to look up what Porkins' first name was. I knew it was something with a J. So I look it up. I'll be damned. They have a middle name for Jack Porkins. Is it, it, it's, it's Jack, not Jed? I'd, I'd always imagined it as Jed. It's Jack. Okay. Jack, and guess what his middle name is? Jed Jam. No. Tono. T-O-N-O. So it's like, it's like a little bit like they're... Jack is like a cracker name with one letter wrong, and Tuno is like an Italian name with one letter wrong. Okay. All right. That's, that's, man, the expanded universe does, does some magical things. Although, that said, Matt, is that still true in the Disney movies, or was that only true in like the old comics? That's probably old comics, Bob. I didn't read into it that far. I just looked up the name. It said Jack Tono Porkins, and I'm like, why the hell do we have, does this man have a middle name? He was on the screen for 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Star Wars vibes, did you get a uh, Star Wars 2 vibes from the space diner that everybody was hanging out at? Yeah, strangely, it reminded me of the diner in Space Quest, but I think oh. the diner in Space Quest was based on something else, probably from like 60s or 50s sci-fi somewhere back in the day. I don't know if it's like based off anything in particular or if it's like just the idea of doing the 50s nostalgia diner in space. 
Right. Like, I, I don't. I don't know if there's like a specific like movie that that people are cribbing from there. Like the Legion was doing that in the late '50s, early '60s too. Although I, I don't necessarily think like Space Quest like cribbed it from the Legion. I just think it's kind of like a natural like, hey, nostalgia diner. Hey, uh, it's in space. <laughs> For the listener, Space Quest was a uh, point-and-click adventure game that was made by Sierra Games back in uh, the early 90s that Bob and I played on Indeed. our 16-megabyte computers. <laughs> An adventure game, a parody game. It did a little, bit of, a little bit of Star Wars parody, a little bit of Star Trek parody, yeah. a little bit of Doctor Who parody. It's good stuff if you Google it. You can probably find it on DOSBox, those of you that are tech-savvy or know how to use a web browser. That's pretty fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, did you have any thoughts on a uh, Bouncing Boy Seal Trick, Matt? Yeah, after seeing the Seal Trick, it's no wonder Lightning Lad wants to leave, Bob. Hey, man, I was very impressed by the Seal Trick, uh, as was Triplicate Girl. She was really digging it, man. And I was so glad to see Triplicate Girl once again, Bob. I know, I know. It's always nice to see Triplicate, uh, Triplicate Girl back. <laughs> so did uh, the LSV acronym give you any other uh, associations, Matt? Yeah, well, I thought Legion of Supervillains, but then, like, you know how your brain, you have like schemata or whatever, and you hear something mm-hmm. and it just kind of like activates stuff. For some reason, I thought law and order SLV. <laughs> I mean, I it's, it's two letters out of three ain't bad, man. Two yeah, it, out of three ain't bad. I've had this issue before on, on like our other podcasts where like things just get triggered in my brain. And I don't know why that, that stuck. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So the Legion of Supervillains in the comics is usually more like um just a kind of traditional like opposing team for the Legion and... Most, not all, but most of the members are like evil counterparts to the original members of the Legion of Superheroes. But the Legion also does pretty regularly like tangle with rival superhero team. In the late 60s, they had the Wanderers. And I don't know if you know this, but like Dave Cockrum, uh, when he was an artist for the Legion, before he was an artist for the new X-Men in the mid-70s, had proposed like Nightcrawler and Storm to be uh, Legion of Superheroes characters, specifically characters on the Wanderers, but DC wasn't interested, so he took Nightcrawler and Storm to Marvel. DC screwed up. That's well, I, you know what? I don't know if they would have been as famous though. I mean, the Legion and the X Men, X Men well, are probably more famous than the Legion. Maybe not in your they, mind. I mean, definitely now, <laughs> but the the Legion was one of DC's best selling titles until the eighties. It, it and New Teen Titans in the in the late seventies and the early eighties were like the only thing that sold on par with X Men. Yeah, X Men would not be the same without Nightcrawler and Storm. So oh, definitely not, definitely not. And I mean, the Wanderers really don't show up much. So like, I mean, if they'd had characters as cool as Nightcrawler and Storm, they might have shown up a lot more and they could have been successful. But you could also just see like Nightcrawler and Storm just appearing for like you know two or three times and then. You're not seeing them again until a weird 80s revival or something. So, Bob, who are these LSV characters? I know Lightning Lord is Lightning Lad's brother. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got Esper, uh, originally Esper Lass. I believe she's supposed to be evil version of Dream Girl, who's a legionnaire we haven't met. Um, and then we've got Tyre. That's the or Tyr. Uh, that's the guy with the bionic gun arm. And then we've got Hunter. That's the Craven the Hunter looking guy. We've got uh, Wave, the chick with the wild prehensile hair, who was originally called Spider Girl. And then uh, we've got Ron Carr, who can like flatten his body. And as far as I'm aware, is not an evil counterpart of anybody. Who was the snake looking guy? That's Ron Carr, I think. That dude scared me. He he had a. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very frightened of snakes, and his little shape shifting snake 
thing just scared the hell out of me. So good job with that. <laughs> he was not my favorite. Now my favorite, my favorite is still though is, is actually you're going to be surprised is Lightning Lord Bob. He's cosplaying Shredder, legit. He is cosplaying Shredder from Ninja Turtles. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of sharp edges. No color scheme and everything, Bob. Oh, He's just okay. missing the helmet. If the dude had the damn helmet, he would be the Shredder. And even ironically, Shredder had a scar over his right eye, which I know that Lightning Lord doesn't, but his, you know, Lightning Lad does. Yeah, and yeah. It, he received the scar from Splinter. It's, it's like you legit have the <laughs> Shredder right there. So, is the fact that Lightning Lord, a character who you previously hated, your favorite from the Lightspeed Vanguard, does that uh, suggest that you didn't have a lot of time for these other characters? I—they <laughs> were—they—they were, they, they were kind of just. They were a little one-dimensional, Bob, but that's okay. Especially that Ron Carr. <laughs> oh, oh. I, I hope the podcast authority finds us for that one. <laughs> Get it? Because he flattens his body. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, they got it, Matt. They got it's it. even better oh. when I explain the joke, and then I explain it that is. I explain the joke. All right. Who's your favorite out of this group, Bob? Tell me, tell me who you're. Uh, I, I would say Spider Girl, who you know, in the show is called Wave. Uh, she doesn't really do anything in the show, but uh, <laughs> I'm just going off the comics. I like Spider Girl a lot in the comics. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we also get a lot of other uh, new characters beyond the LSV. Matt, did uh, you have any thoughts on the the Legion tryout people before I uh, run down the list? Oh my God, there were so many of them. Oh, actually, were... why don't why don't we have you read read the list? I think that would be funnier than me reading it. For the listeners, if you have not seen this episode, just listen to these the names of these people that are introduced in a 22-minute episode of this show, okay? You've got Absorbency Boy, Antenna Lad, Breath Boy, Chlorophyll Kid, Color Kid, Double Header, Fire Lad, Infectious Lass, <laughs> Invisible Kid, Lamprey, The Mess, Night Girl, Polar Boy, Polecat, Porcupine Pete, Quantum Queen, Quake Kid, and Stone Boy. <laughs> what the fuck, Bob? Like, what is this? <laughs> A reoccurring part of Legion of Superhero Stories, especially in the uh, the 60s, is having, like, tryouts. And so, like, they would introduce a lot of, like, kind of silly, kind of ridiculous people with powers to, like, try and fail to join the Legion. So over time, you had this kind of long back roster of, like, obscure characters who had been rejected from the Legion. And then sometimes people would do things to them like they would turn them into villains or like they would join the lsv like i believe a uh, spider girl and ron carr were both legion of superhero uh, failed tryouts too before they joined uh, in the comics before they joined the legion of supervillains so it's kind of like this proud tradition of like tryouts and you try to get as absurd uh, powers as possible and then they fail you know the writers just sat around like throwing these things out at each other, or just taking like random ass nouns and you know, oh yeah, kid, yeah. They just put them, they just shoved them together to see what they. Oh come yeah, up yeah. With. It's like a Mad Lib. Yeah, you know they Mad Libbed with all these things. What? Uh, <laughs> okay, which one is the kangaroo? Oh, that's I. I don't know that. I knew maybe about half of them. Oh. The other half I had to get from the wiki. Point. There's a damn kangaroo that just hops across the screen. That's all I remember about it. Just. Just, just look. So, you, you, it, it's a, it's a hilarious idea, like what they did here. Even I'm making fun of it. It was it was actually very entertaining to see so many like rejects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and what you'll see some of these again not not all of them but uh some of them at least i'm struggling to see who the maybe the kangaroo was just a kangaroo some random ass kangaroo came to try out for the uh, the uh, Legion of Superheroes. Okay, let me run down a couple other character entries of ones I'm not familiar with. But well, while you're doing that, Bob, I'm just gonna tell you my favorite of all these though has to be Porcupine Pete. Oh, Porcupine Pete rules. Yeah, he legit just like gets excited and shoots quills. <laughs> ends up ends up accidentally stabbing a lightning lad. As far as I can tell, because I think I know all of the characters off the top of my head, except for Lamprey, the Mess, Polecat, Quantum Queen, and Quake Kid, and I don't think any of those are the kangaroo. So I think the kangaroo is just a weird kangaroo. All right, listeners out there, if you are listening to this podcast and you know the name of the legion character that was the kangaroo in this episode please hit us up on twitter at uncanny treks but for right now bob we're just going to call him kangaroo lad no the kangaroo kid you're right you're right it was right there it was right there and i fucked it up i apologize i bob just ruined the easiest setup ever yeah no that was oh uh well he's you're you're right matt in the i just did a the wiki was failing me, so I just did a Google search, Legion of Superheroes Kangaroo. And uh, on a on a Facebook video from this episode, they do indeed call the applicant the kangaroo kid. Sweet. It's like I could write for this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt, I, usually I uh, disparage your attempts uh, at creative writing, but you, yeah, you did it this time, man. You really did it. That, that was good shit. I, I approve. I approve. All right, Bob. So my favorite was Porcupine Pete. Yeah. Did you have a you have a favorite of these tryouts? Oh yeah, I actually love quite a few of them. Uh, but to keep it short, I'll shout out that Invisible Kid is actually the only one of these who becomes a member like almost immediately in the long arc of comics history. Some of the other ones have joined, but Invisible Kid is like an actual Legionnaire. He's great. I believe they were playing him as the second Invisible Kid, who's a, a Cote d'Ivoirean guy named Jacques. He's awesome. And then, did you ever read that Doctor 13 comic from uh, DC that Brian Azzarello wrote about 15 years ago? No. It's a really kind of funny parody of, like, you know, DC's, like, event-level books. And it just, it's like a team of, like, all, like, you know, the quote-unquote worst heroes. And... One of the characters on it is Infectious Lass, and that's a great comic. And she's just a hilarious character in general. I mean, you can imagine what her powers are based on the name. And then the third, and I guess the one I would actually pick to be my favorite, is uh, Night Girl. She's really cool, and uh, especially in that uh, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Superman and the Legion story I've recommended before, Night Girl and uh, Polar Boy come, come across pretty awesome in that one. Yeah, I, I, I'm still I'm still stuck with Porcupine Pete, Bob. Just, no, no, just... you're, Porcupine Pete's the man, the man. I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, he's no kangaroo kid, but <laughs> he is. He's something. also the he's also the only one of these that has like a last name that's not like or the second part to his name that's you know a legit name. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one who's like incorporated his uh, his name into into his code name, as it were. Yeah, it's not like Porcupine Pal or Porcupine. <laughs> I, used, I used all my writing ability on that kangaroo kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you're exhausted. 
I mean, you keep Porcupine Lad, Porcupine Boy. Yeah, I only got uh, so much here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. So, were you uh, more disappointed that we got another Lightning Lad focused episode and that uh, your favorite Mech, aka Lightning Lord, was back? I mean, like I said before, I'm okay with Lightning Lord. I think Mech just gave me, he just rubbed me the wrong way in that episode. I'm happy to see him as Lightning Lord, especially with the outfit. If he wasn't dressed like Shredder, I probably wouldn't like him as much. <laughs> All right. Just so that's a little uh, tip for everybody out there who wants a, a character to appeal to Matt. Just make them subtly, visually similar to the Shredder. Yes. Pay homage to the Ninja Turtles and you're good to go. All right. So I got a few questions and observations for you, Bob. We mm -hmm. see a quick flashback to what looks like the origin of Lightning Lad. And it's with that beast that we saw in the Fear Factory episode. Yes. All right. I, I'm assuming, is this like the origin of... Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And Lightning Lad has a sister. Yeah. What, what do you suppose her code name is, Matt? Lightning Lass. Hey. Damn, I got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> You're on it, man. You're on it. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure she has the same powers, right? She can shoot lightning, I'm sure. Right. Yes, although there's a funny bit in the Silver Age where they had a rule for a while that you couldn't have redundant powers in the Legion. And so they kicked her out until she got a new set of powers. And uh, her new set of powers was that she could uh, lower the mass of any object. And so, you know what they renamed her after uh, she got the powers to lower the mass of any object? Mass lass? No, light lass. Oh. <laughs> I, like, I, I like mass last better. <laughs> okay. So do they get their powers from that beast? Is that what I'm supposed to get? From yeah. That yeah. They, okay. that's what I was saying before is that a lot of the characters in the Legion are like just members of species that have powers, but the, the Rand's uh, siblings, that is to say lightning Lord, lightning lad and lightning lass didn't originally have powers. The people from their planet don't have powers. They only have powers because of the lightning beast. Do they ever form their own lightning league? No. So eventually in like the late 80s, early 90s, Lightning Lord does reform and the family sort of retires back to their home planet. My other question, Bob, is do you think it's ethical for these superheroes to charge for their services like the, the Vanguard does? Because I feel like maybe they should have been more like upfront about their pricing because they have to eat. But how are, they, how are these heroes supposed to make money if they don't charge? Well, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of got a, the Legion has a thing that's my least favorite thing about them, which is that, that they're backed by a billionaire, um, which hasn't, I think will come up later in the season, but hasn't come up so far. So that's how the Legion gets by. But yeah, it is, that is a kind of depressing capitalist question. My general answer is that no superheroes shouldn't charge. But if I upheld that as a general rule, we would never have had the comic where Luke Cage went to uh, Latveria to shake down Doctor Doom for the money he owed him, and that was a great comic. So I can't, I can't truly uphold it as a general principle, I suppose. I mean, if they would have been like, okay, we'll take care of this for you, you know, it's going to be you know, $6,000, we'll charge you, do you want us to take care of this or not? And they say, yeah, we'll take care of it, we're good, you know. There should have been some, some mutual agreement on what the price was. I think that's kind of like healthcare or like fire services, right? Where like, you can't, you know, whatever virtues like the market is supposed to have, it doesn't have those in times of crisis, right? Like if you're having a medical emergency, you don't have time to like figure out like, 
is this ER like in my network? Is this doctor <laughs> in my network? Like you're not, a, you, you can't be like, you know, the capitalism, at least in theory to work, it says it depends on like a rational consumer, right? Right. And in a crisis where, you know, big uh, space kaiju are attacking your farm or you're having a medical issue or your house is on fire, you can't be a rational consumer. And so the entire logic of capitalism breaks down in this sort of crisis situations, I think. I agree. I like how you made that comparison to. I'm also going to make a, an even better comparison, Bob. Who Ghostbusters? When they <laughs> when they take out Slimer at the Sedgwick Hotel, remember they don't build the guy till after they catch it. <laughs> you know the whole uh, line of argument about Ghostbusters just being like Reagan propaganda, right? No, it's Ghostbusters. I mean, no, I'm not. Yeah, Ghostbusters is fun. I'm just saying, like, the, but the whole spirit of the movie is like. Oh, we're these plucky small businessmen, but we're being oppressed by the EPA. Like, oh, these government bureaucrats. Why are they? Why are they infringing on our good small business? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could. Okay, yeah, a little Reaganomics in there. All right, yeah, yeah, a little Reaganomics. So, so who is your favorite uh, non-Superboy Legionnaire this week, Matt? We got the return of triplicate girl, Bob. That was my favorite suit, non-Superboy Legionnaire. So you like that she's back, but you don't like that she likes the seal trick that Bouncing Boy did. I'm I don't, curious. I don't, she can like what she wants, Bob. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'll give it to, I would like to give it to Triplicate Girl, but she didn't actually do much this episode. So I guess I'll just give it to Bouncing Boy. He, he was pretty charming this episode. All right, Bob. So let's switch over from Legion to Strange New Worlds. Yeah, that took a lot longer than I, I thought. I think I thought it would take. <laughs> Usually we go through those Legion ones pretty quick. It was a good episode, Bob. It was a good episode. So in the A-plot, Bob, Rukia's time in the pattern buffer is running out. So Mbinga races for a cure while a nebula transforms the ship into the Mbinga's storybook. Indeed, indeed. And so I don't really mean this as a criticism, just an observation, but New Trek really does love storybooks. You had that short track of Burnham's dad reading a fairy tale to her. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. And I watched the preview for this and thought we might have like a hollow deck thing that was going to take place. But then I remember that's not possible because the hollow decks weren't around yet. Well, the hollow decks are in one episode of the animated series. Although I think I think the general consensus is just to ignore that. I agree. We're just going to wipe the animated series out completely, right, Bob? It's not. No, 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 no. There's a lot to preserve (laughs) in the animated series. I like I like the animated series quite a lot, actually. (laughs) I'm hearing that the animated series is not canonical, so I'm hearing that's fine. All right, but it's funny. No, no, no. That- <laughs> you're, still, you're still operating off of a bullshit 90s Star Trek mentality, Matt. In the 21st century, we've learned to accept corny and campy things and make it work. Well, speaking of corny and campy, it, it's funny that, like, the original series had these kind of fish-out-of-water plots, primarily because, like, the, the availability of wardrobe that was at the studio. <laughs> you know, they open the damn yeah, box. Yeah. There's a bunch of gangster outfits. Like, oh, we're gonna do gangsters this week. And another day, open another box. Oh, medieval times. All right, let's go for it. Ren Fair. On a related note, do you remember that conspiracy theory that Game of Thrones was going to be revealed to be like the medieval times world in the show Westworld? Yes, I do remember that. And <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really stupid. I mean, given it, given how Game of Thrones turned out, I. I can't say that it being part of Westworld would be any worse than what it became. I was watching I was watching a YouTube video or something and it was talking about the last seasons of Game of Thrones and how awful they are and they're like in the last like 100 years that is the only thing everyone can agree on is that the last 3 seasons of Game of Thrones sucked. And it's, it's true. <laughs> everyone agrees. Did I tell you my Game of Thrones party story? No. 
I was at a I was at a garden party last weekend and I was you know I, I was a couple drinks in and I was feeling a little trollish. So I, I was pretending that I was excited for the Jon Snow sequel, which I believe Benioff <laughs> and Weiss are coming back from, just because I hate that show so much that I kinda it kinda gives me joy to say things about it that make fans make fans of it mad. But then a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Noah, reminded me that actually where the show leaves off Jon Snow is like going north of the wall or north of the former wall that I guess the dragons burned and when he told me that I had to be like yeah okay I can't even I can't even pretend to like that as a joke because the north is so boring (laughs) it really was it was awful (laughs) it's so bad like god biggest pop culture disappointment of our lives would that be fair to say probably I I'm I'm right there yes I agree. All right, so getting back to the episode, Bob, at the point where the ship won't move, where the Enterprise won't move, Ortega's, you get a chance to look at her control console. She has, she literally has a warp button on the left and an impulse button on the right. Like, I think I could fly the fucking ship. Make me the navigator. <laughs> well, Make me well, the helmsman she, or whatever. She's not the navigator. Mitchell's helmsman, the navigator. Helmsman, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Make me the she, helmsman. Helmswoman, yes. Helmswoman. Uh, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah so my only response to that is i don't would you have ortega's intuitive feel for when pike describes distance in terms of dates would you be able to translate that into actual flying that's my sure i'm sure i could i mean it's legit a joystick do you remember the most famous moment of a joystick in star trek matt yes and i can picture it i just can't remember what the fuck it is god it's a it's in a movie if that helps yes it does help is it in is it in the fourth movie? Yes, the fourth Next Generation movie. Yes, the last one. Like, Riker pops out a joystick to fly yes. the Enterprise. Yes, yes. That. See, see how easy it would be? I want to fly these damn starships. <laughs> I have to two buttons and a joystick. That's all I need. All right. And I also want to point out, too, all right, when Mbinga, before we get to the opening credits, I've been rewatching Quantum Leap. And when Sam Beckett arrives in a new time in a weird situation. Are they, are they rebooting Quantum Leap? Is that why you're rewatching it? Yes. Well, they're rebooting it, and I, I've always loved Quantum Leap. I, I, yeah, I know you um, always have. There's something yeah, about it. I don't know what it is. It's American Doctor Who. Yeah. When Sam Beckett arrives in a new time in a weird situation at like the beginning of each episode, he says something like, oh boy. You know, like he's like about to get punched by a boxer. He's like, oh boy. Or he's, you know, and he's with the KKK and he's like lighting somebody's house on fire. And he's like, oh boy. Oh, damn. You know, yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot that's of weird. Grim. Yeah. 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 It, it, that's, it's a weird show. And then it all credits on the opening theme music. So I really wanted Dr. Bimbinga to say that, but instead we got a, what the hell? And then it cuts to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. <laughs> I know that was a long way to go for that, Bob, but I yeah, just want yeah, to get yeah. that out there. <laughs> to disagree with you, because I, I didn't put it in the notes, but I, I actually really enjoyed that moment of like Bimbinga just being totally, um, to- or I, I think it's actually Mbinga, although uh, I, you've said it so often now that I, I don't know what's right anymore. But anyway, when the doc comes on the bridge, I, I love just how irascible and uh, grumpy he was at the whole situation. It it had big, like, Dr. McCoy vibes, which I appreciated. Okay, go back to the first thing, Bob. It is M, M Binga. M- I think it's Mubbinga. I think it's Mubbinga. Mubbinga. Oh, Mubbinga. Like, supposed to be the, the phonetic sound. All right. Okay. Well, I'm, going, I'm going to look it up on Google. My teaching, my teaching is going to pay off here. Mubbinga. Mabinga. Okay, the only video I can find, the guy's saying it is English, so I don't trust him. <laughs> All right, we're good. We'll just say it either way. I'm just going to refer to him as the doctor, I think. 
this episode because it you know transports everybody into the fantasy world uh or the fairy book world scenario gets you an opportunity to see a lot of characters play uh themselves slightly off and so i i really enjoyed that i think my favorite was probably pike being a coward and so you have pike and ortegas being all hostile uh throughout the episode which is a nice inversion of their usual kind of banterly relationship i thought it was really fun yeah, Ansem Mount is such a good actor. Like, why the fuck did the MCU cast him as a voiceless character with that beautiful mane of hair covered up by a full head mask? <laughs> well, I, to his credit, I think he like went full in on Black Bolt. I mean, I haven't watched any of that show. I'm, I actually am going to watch a little of it out of curiosity. But I think he, like he learned sign language for it and was like very carefully thinking about like how to do Black Bolt's body language and such. He's such a good actor. Also, with a hairstyle, yeah. Bob, does he remind you of like mm-hmm. our former high school principal? Oh wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dr. yeah, Fuck. yeah. Dr. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> he does kind of remind me of Dr. Fuck now that you think yeah, about not, it. Yeah, you're not going to be able to unsee it now. You're welcome. Yeah, right, but so. the, diff- the difference is, is that uh, Captain Pike is a good man and not a coward. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right, anyway, so we're talking about real people here, folks, <laughs> that are never going to listen to this podcast, but it's okay. Hey, I didn't name him. I, I just called him Dr. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would know who I'm talking about? <laughs> well... Speaking of uh, lookalikes, I'll say this, Bob. Spock in this looked to me like Jimmy Kimmel with a wig. Ah, uh, uh, I, I was getting more kind of Jon Snow vibes off Spock the Wizard, but I, I, you're just rejecting the premise of that bit, I see. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see it. But. And then we also get a number one in Ortegas' squabbling storybook lovers, which was very, very adorable. Yeah, they're really pushing the boundaries here with this stuff. I'm happy to see it. You know, I mean, I don't think that's really going to happen in the in the you know regular. I don't know what you call it, the you know, non-storybook stuff, but it's cool. I I, I, I mean, I don't think we've really ever gotten any sense of like what number one sexuality is. I mean, I think we I think most people tend to assume Ortegas is a lesbian, but I don't think we've really gotten any suggestion of what what um number one is at all so i mean maybe although probably because of the difference in rank the show probably wouldn't go there yeah that's true and when did aren't were you the one who told me to like always assume that uh pretty much all star trek characters are bi uh i think i think noah coined that but i, I like that as a rule that in the future yeah you should just assume that everybody is bisexual until it's proven otherwise all right, some other things I noticed in this episode. I just want to thank Strange New Worlds for explaining how the damn medical tricorder works. You have to scan <laughs> people in it, and then you look at a screen. In the old series, I don't think there was a screen to look at, like, you know, like a computer monitor. They would sometimes do it with, like, you'd have, like, the little bubbly scan, you know, salt shaker scanner. Yes. And then you would have, like, the full tricorder, too. That's usually oh, so you're looking they... at the full tricorder. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Bluetooth, so I'm, I was excited. I don't think they were very consistent about that on the original series. Yeah, I just remember McCoy going and like scanning people and then being like, okay, she's all right. I'm like, how the fuck do you know? There's nothing to look at. <laughs> well, he's like, well, if something were wrong, it would have made an awful noise. And it didn't, that's so that's what I was thinking, too. That, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, that's a really dumb tool to have in the future. You know, like that's like a, like a, a metal detector. Like, yeah, that's not very sci-fi. Um, and I'm also, I'm just going to go ahead, Bob, and say one of the, uh, probably one of the more sexist things I've ever said on this podcast. And then I'm going to move on. You can cancel right. me if you, you can cancel lay, me if you lay, want to lay, lay it on us, lay it on us. But between Gerardi on Picard season two and Leon and you her in this episode, 
if you weren't a boob guy, Bob, you never will be. Well, I mean, I think uh, Star Trek has heard that, uh, you know, uh, millennials and, uh, and Zoomers are, you know, they, they tend to be ass men and they're trying to fight against that trend. They're trying to they're trying to get us to uh, fully automated luxury gay space communism. And they're uh, trying to get us to reevaluate other parts of the body as, as a boob guy, as a male heterosexual boob guy. Thank you. <laughs> that's all. That's only because you grew up watching WWF, Matt. You never had a chance. You know, you're probably right. <laughs> Strangely. Yes. I, I am. I am very good at making occasionally piercing psychoanalytic observations about my friends. It's uh, it's one of my strengths. I, I will say uh, to move it to a more wholesome uh, topic, um, although that also invites an awful pun now that I think about it. But anyway, to move on to a more sweet and innocent topic, uh, Mabinga being proud that the nebulous Boltzmann brain is bringing to life his daughter's fanfic is actually kind of sweet. Like that, that, that was a very sweet moment. Well, that's the thing about this episode. It, it starts off kind of corny and cheesy, but then yeah. by the time you get to the end, it's just like, oh, heart-wrenching god yeah and that's yeah. what star trek should be sometimes yeah well and it's all it's also like a nice allegory about like letting your kids grow up and be their mm -hmm. own person but just sped up in a science fictional way you know you get a lot of that in ds9 just yeah oh love it yeah I, I don't think we had ever said much about that on babylon 5 versus ds9 i mean we said a lot about like how much we liked ben and jake's relationship on DS9. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the cool things about it is not just that it's a good like father son relationship, but that Jake is nothing like his father. And like his father is, you know, loves that about him. That's always Yeah, that's, that's a good thing about DS9 too. Yeah. And then uh, one other real just quick observation about this episode is that I really love the way they alter the existing sets of the Enterprise and just, you know, basically put decorations over it <laughs> to make it look like fairy tale medieval <laughs> stuff. It oh, was yeah. smart. It was smart on their part. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it was yeah, really, it, I mean, it, it was right. I don't, I don't think I, I, it's really smart on their part. Not only did they save money by not having to like construct another set or find another place to shoot, but also it just made it seem more like a, a conglomeration of what was going on in this kid's head. You know, or it was, what the uh, nebula was in, imposing on these people. That's what I like. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've finished talking about the episode, I have uh, I have two ranking schemes to propose to you because I love ranking things, although I, I don't think you share my enthusiasm for ranking things. So, yeah, Bob, my, my brother, you know, he, he he'll listen to the podcast occasionally and he uh, he was listening to our episode on the Suicide Squad. And he his one of his first texts was Bob really loves to rank stuff, doesn't he? And I was like, yep, that's Bob. Bob loves ranking things. <laughs> I mean, I'll say two things in my defense. Um, so the first thing is, Matt, you you might be a boobs man. I'm a list man. That's that's what I am. <laughs> and then uh, the second thing I'll say in my defense is, you know, it's it's easy content for the podcast. Yeah, and it's also good. an easy way to it's an easy way to talk about other stuff, which is you know part of the art of the podcast. Is you want to talk about the thing you're talking about, but you also want to bring in other stuff. But there's a kind of fine balance between. Is the bringing it in organic or are you just rambling? And so the, I feel like the ranking sort of disappoints that a little. <clears throat> List or visual? <clears throat> uh, I mean, maybe if you're slow. <laughs> yeah, you give me and our listeners too much credit, Bob. <laughs> 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 we, 
Well, I don't know about our listeners. I don't think I give our listeners enough credit. But yes, Matt, I will agree with the premise that I give you far too much credit. <laughs> Even though I still am, I still am impressed by Kangaroo Kid. You yeah. and, and and by getting Lightning Lash, you've been on fire this episode. I say that in all sincerity. All right, Bob. So what are we ranking here? I, I I propose that we rank Star Trek children, but I guess Matt, in his role as an early childhood educator, is appalled by this idea. I mean, I can rank the kids, I guess, but I'm probably just going to agree with you because I really don't see... The only one I know that's awful, Bob, is Wesley Crusher. He has to be at the end. That's about it. Oh, you don't remember how bad uh, Alexander was in Next Generation? I mean, Alexander sucked, but I mean, it was not not Wesley Crusher sucked. Like no, like, no, not, we, not, he wasn't that bad. He was really bad, but he wasn't that bad. Right, right. So we'll put Wesley and Alex. Yeah, they need to be at the end of this list, whatever it is. So who's on your? Who's the top of your list? Uh, the top of the list is Jake and Nog, of course, from DS Nine. Right, I can I can see that. They're they're probably the best representation of like child characters in Star Trek. Yeah, right, yeah. And next? then I'd go with Naomi Wildman from Voyager. Um, she she's she's a good kid. I like her. She's more in late Voyager. Who is whose kid is she? Uh, Ensign Wildman. I think she's a engineer. I, no, I think she's some sort of science officer. Oh. She's she's like half human, half something else. So she has like you know she has the little like facial bumps or whatever. But she gets she has a good relationship with Seven of Nine. And, uh, Seven and Naomi's stuff is very sweet. And then who's next? I, I put a uh, Rukia Mabinga next. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's very charming. And then I would put Molly from uh, 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 Keiko and Miles's daughter from DS Nine next. Although, unless I'm forgetting something, Molly's mostly a kind of non-entity in the show. Yeah, I just want to say I don't remember her ever being in many episodes other than like in the background or just standing next to Kiko. So yeah, yeah, whatever. And so Molly's <laughs> kind of Molly's like the kind of like marker. Her and everybody above her is done not bad or good. And then everybody below Molly, I think, is bad. Okay, so who's below Molly? Ekeb is a bored kid that Voyager frees <laughs> from the collective late in the show. Also bonds with Seven. He sucks. I don't like him. Oh, you remember in Picard season one, that ex-Borg who's getting tortured to death in the episode that reintroduces Seven of Nine in the first season of Picard? Yes, yes. That's that's, that's Ekeb. Okay. Okay, well, at least got a chance to come back, I guess. Or no, no, they kill they kill him in that episode. <laughs> oh, they kill him. Oh well, at least we got a yeah. a, a definite ending for the for the. Apparently, character. one of the actors who played him is like a real big like racist and homophobe on Twitter. So like, I think that's why they killed him. Maybe. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, good, yeah. Good job. And then after, uh, I might ha I need to fa I should fact check that, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, after Echeb, I would then say the Prodigy Kids, uh, who I'm just gonna lump together and say they they're all pretty terrible. Mostly it's because of the captain. If it wasn't for the captain and Prodigy, they probably I, I probably wouldn't hate them as much. Yeah, the Prodigy kids are awful. But mostly just the captain, right? The others are just kind of like, eh, whatever, they're there. Yeah, fuck you for making me watch that show. Okay, who's next? I, I, I don't know how many, I don't know how many t different times and how many different ways I can say I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, you're going to have to buy me some <laughs> presents or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a present. All right. Um, and then uh, after that, yeah, Alexander and then Wesley. Although okay. Alexander is good uh, in DS9, but he's he's so so bad in Next Generation. You left out the Borg babies from that one episode. Well, I was trying to do I was because there are other um, there are other kid characters, but I was trying to do ones that have like multiple appearances. And also the uh, the kids from that the DS9 episode that play hopscotch. Again, multiple appearances. That 
I could I I was thinking about putting Young Spock uh, for the animated <laughs> series on because the original proposal was that Young Spock would time travel to the present and join the crew with Oh old God. Spock. Yeah, that is such think, a bad idea. Thank yeah. God that didn't happen. Oh God. Thankfully, Roddenberry and DC Fontana held the line and didn't what want a to do that. Stupid idea. Yep. Yep. God. Yeah. I mean, that's why uh, network execs should not have creative control. And then, so the final rankings, Matt. Um, are you? You're, do you want me to go from the bottom to the top of Star Trek Fairy Tale episodes? All right. So let's talk about these Star Trek Fairy Tale episodes. I've seen some of these, not all of them. Uh-huh. But just go ahead and uh, give, give me a give me a rundown. All right. So from the bottom, DS Nine. If wishes were horses, which we've covered. Or no, actually, I think we skipped for our Babylon Five v DS Nine podcast. Yeah. That's the Rumpelstiltskin one. And, uh, Rumpelstiltskin, it, baby. Rumpelstiltskin. It's like, if wishes were horse shit, yes, that's what it should be called. Yes, yes. And I think that's the only one that's actually bad. The next one, the next lowest one I would put is that short trek I mentioned earlier, where it's uh, Michael Burnham's father reading her a fantasy story. It's called The Girl Who Made the Stars. Not bad. Not particularly memorable. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was, that was okay. Yeah. Okay, and then do you remember the shore leave episode of the original series where they go to the planet where like all their dreams become real and they see like the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland and the Black yes. Knight and all that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So not to that one yet, but the animated series episode that's a sequel to that, Once Upon a Planet, I would put that as second from the bottom. Okay, so they made a sequel to it. All right. Yes. A lot of the animated series episodes are sequels to original series episodes. So they're recycled live action. Well, I mean, they still had to draw it, so I don't know how much they recycled. But certainly in the writing, there was some recycling. Yeah, the the plots were recycled, I guess I should say. Yeah, The plots were recycled, yes. Yes. And then above that sequel uh, to Shore Leave, I would put the Beowulf episode of Voyager, Heroes and Demons, which is, it's fun, but it's it's not as good as I wanted it to be. Never seen that, but sounds it's first season of voyager i think it's like the first episode that like really kind of pushes the doctor as a character if i recall right to to remind listeners i have not watched much voyager so forgive me i mean i don't it was on upn every wednesday night matt i don't know why you couldn't just watch it (laughs) because smackdown was on (laughs) no no i'm pretty sure smackdown was on thursday Never yeah, mind. yeah. Shit, I guess I'm I could sure have. Voyager was Wednesday, SmackDown was Thursday. I had church, Bob. I had church to go to. It was on late. I, I, I went to church and I watched Voyager after. Now that I now that I think back on that, that was maybe the defining tension of uh, my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then after the Voyager Beowulf episode, or above it, rather, I would put this episode, Strange New Worlds, Elysian Kingdom. Above yes. that, I would put the shore, original Shore Leave episode from the original series. We already talked about White Rabbit, Black Knight. And then at the very top, I would uh, put the episode where uh, Q transports the Enterprise D crew into a into Sherwood Forest, and they play Robin Hood, aka Cupid. Cupid, yeah, Cupid's Cupid's definitely on top here. Okay, yeah. okay. When I saw the preview for this, I got Cupid vibes. Although definitely more, I guess you ha- do have to give this episode, Elysian Kingdom, points for being more well rounded than yes. cupid because like cupid doesn't have anything nearly as heartbreaking although it does have vash and i do love vash and the ending to this episode was definitely heart-wrenching and uh that's something that i've already kind of looked at some of the like the feedback this episode is getting online and some people aren't making their way through the whole damn episode watch the whole damn episode it is a little corny and cheesy at the beginning but it's it's you get to the end and realize just how yeah 
just stabs you. It's just, mm. yeah, good but stuff. It's like, God. Also, mm. like, I mean, there's a long and proud tradition of like Star Trek being corny as shit. And if you can't tolerate a little corniness and a little cheese, like, I'm sorry, you're not you're not a real Star Trek fan. <laughs> like, no. I mean, like, come on. All right, so let's talk character of the week, Bob. Who was your character of the week, Matt? Mabinga. Yeah, emotional performance. Damn, really good, good. really good. Yeah, he he did he did a great work. I'm gonna give it to Himmer just because I was really glad to see him back after a three episode absence, and the stuff with him kind of cooperating and bonding with Mbinga was really good. I almost wish they had more time to play up the Mbinga Himmer rivalry. That might have made the episode even a little more effective, but regardless, it was uh, very good work for both characters. All right, Bob. Here's where it gets a little controversial. Episode of the week. All right. I'm going to give it to Lightning Storm. All right? Mm -hmm. Elysian Kingdom is a fine episode, and the actors obviously had a very good time filming it. They, They were hamming it up. It had an emotional ending that sticks with you a little after watching. But I'm kind of starting to feel bad for not going with the Legion every once in a while. And this is definitely probably one of the better Legion of Superheroes episodes that we've watched. And I think it deserves the praise. So I'm giving it the episode of the week. I, I, I had a feeling you might go in this direction. I had yeah. a feeling. I bet you thought, though, I was going to trash Elysian Kingdom. I actually did until we got to the heart-wrenching stuff. See, see. And then I was like, ah, uh, all right, this will win Matt over. Matt's a big softie. Although I, I still did kind of frame some of the discussion questions with with, with you maybe not liking it in mind. <laughs> all right, yeah, now I'll give it to Legion Kingdom because even though I love Legion, I am comfortable saying that it's, you know, it's probably unimaginable that Legion of Superheroes is ever actually going to do an episode that's better than Strange New Worlds. That's probably just unimaginable. I, I appreciate your broad, uh, your broad charitable sense, Matt. Only two episodes left, Matt. Are you excited? I am very excited. And they actually released the names of the two Strange New Worlds episodes. Do we want a little spoiler? Uh, sure, hit me. I think I saw one, but I didn't see the last one. So All Those Who Wander is the next week's, which that's, that's a little cliche of a title, but whatever. Because it's the, you know, the all those who wander are not lost is the saying. Right. And episode 10 is entitled Equality of Mercy. Oh, that's a, oh, it's a, it's a quote from, it's a quote from Merchant of Venice. That's right. It sounds like a Babylon 5 episode. Actually, you're right. It may be a Babylon 5. Apparently it was, it was a, I think it's just a Shakespeare quotation from Portia in the Merchant of Venice. And it was the name of a Marvel Star Trek issue. That's the name of a Twilight Zone episode. Okay, yeah. Season 3, episode 15. So it's Twilight Zone episode and a Shakespeare quote. And then is there a Babylon 5, Quality of Mercy? Yes, there was. Oh, yeah, the Quality the quality of Mercy is the one with um, the old disbarred doctor with the alien healing machine. Oh, shit. So is Sheridan going to appear on a Strange New Worlds too? Is that your theory in that? <laughs> no. Sheridan did appear on the Orville, Bob, this week, so check that out. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I haven't watched any Orville, but I'm kind of starting to think I may need to watch some of it. I want to hate the Orville because its fans are the worst thing in the world. It's not that bad. Like, I, I haven't watched any of the new season, but I've seen the first two seasons. It's fine. It's, 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 it's not even that, Bob. It's Seth MacFarlane. That's why I don't want to watch it. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I hate Seth MacFarlane. I hate Orville fans. But, yeah, what can, what can you do, man? What can you do? 
All right, so this has been the Galaxy's Most Retro Futurist Podcast. That's right, Strange New Worlds versus Legion of Superheroes. I am Bob and Kathia. That is Matt in the Southland. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>